Well, hello there, people of Le Comfort and Union Road, Magrafelt, uh, and maybe elsewhere too, who knows? It's great to be with you in worship, even if it is in quite an unusual way. It's good to be with you again, in fact, because I fondly remember being up in Union Road back at harvest time, uh, and particularly having apple pie after the church, which really should be obligatory every week. Anyway, my name's Ben Walker, and I'm the minister here at St. Phil Road Presbyterian in South Belfast. If you didn't know already, you'll be able to tell that I'm from England, but I'm married really well, uh, a girl from Belfast, and we've been living here for 18 years. I trained at Union Theological College with Dave, and we've been friends ever since. He has been such an encouragement to me. And I can only imagine how much he is to you too. So it's fabulous to do this non-pulpit pulpit swap. Uh, and my folks will be getting a couple of weeks of fantastic teaching. And, well, you'll be getting me. Joking aside, we know that God's truth applied to our hearts and lives ultimately comes from the Holy Spirit. So let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you that you call us in Christ into your family. We thank you for the grace that you have shown us and poured out, lavished on our lives. We thank you for your Holy Spirit set in us as a seal of guarantee of the promises we have. Lord, as we spend this time in your word now, open our eyes and our hearts to you and your word and your purposes in Christ for us. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you've been working through Ephesians. This is your life, or this is our life. And we come to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. And we're going to look at them over these next two weeks that I'm with you. What I want to do this week is to briefly run through Ephesians up to this point, picking out a few of the big themes, and then see how they come out in verses one and two of today's passage, which also leads on to the rest of the passage. Today, uh, what I wanna do is leave us with a big idea for this whole passage to ponder about and to pray about in our lives. And then next week, Having let that sit with us for a bit, we'll look more deeply at the rest of the verses in this passage. Uh, and God willing, we'll apply this more specifically to our lives. Perhaps, uh, like me, you've been doing some jigsaws doing during lockdown. Uh, you know the most important piece of a jigsaw, right? The most important piece is the front of the box, where you're given big picture. It's where you begin and it's where you keep coming back to to get a clue about how every small piece fits in. Paul begins Ephesians with God's big picture in chapter 1 verses 3 to 14 and when we looked at Ephesians in St. Phil Road uh, a couple of terms ago we used this big picture to help. From before the beginning of creation to the 
future glorious new creation, God has been about his plans and purposes and is at work through Christ and by his spirit. The sinful brokenness of our world has been and will fully be transformed through the redeeming blood of Jesus. And this is a universally big plan that involves us. We are included as we put our faith in Christ, says Paul. We know that we are chosen, adopted, forgiven, purposed, sealed with God's spirit and with hope. And as we gather from this start in Ephesians, this is a plan that is all by God's grace. What God has done in Christ, in our world and in us, what God has done that we couldn't do ourselves and we do not deserve, but he does lavishly for us out of the pleasure of his will in love. And it's a plan all for God's glory to show how great he is that we might be for the praise of his glory. So as Ephesians continues, we trace how God works in individuals, but more than that, in us together as the church, by his grace and for his glory. Now, Paul loves his contrasts, his befores and afters, his outsides and ins. So in chapter two, we hear as individuals that, well, you were once dead in your transgressions. That was your life. But now you've been made alive in Christ to live and do the things God has chosen and prepared for you in advance. This is your life by God's grace and for his glory. And more widely, we hear that outside of Christ, people were and are without God, strangers and foreigners to his promises and plans and blessing and future. But in Christ, together, we are God's family, his household, brought together with God and each other. A temple, says Paul, being built together and shaped by God as the home in which he dwells. The church. And here we move into chapter 3. We're a people to be filled together with the fullness of God and to make God's wisdom and purposes in Christ universally known. This is our life by God's grace for God's glory. And to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's then in chapter 4 that Paul really moves from all this wonderful talk of what is true about God's grace and glory in our lives to what that means about how we live. And it centres around church, the people of God, in Christ together. As God continues to gift each one of us by his grace and teach and build us up through his word, we each one of us are called to, to serve for the sake of the whole and for the glory of God. And as we play our part, we're no longer simply immature individuals. But in our diversity, we grow more and more united 
and mature as Christ's body. So this is your life that plays its part in our life. As I said, Paul loves his contrasts, who we were and who we now are, what we would be without Christ and who we are with Christ, what we're no longer called to be and who we are called to be. So as he continues in chapter 4, and as you've been recently seeing, no doubt, he uses contrasts to spell out, in a practical and applied way, what your life and mine, in the context of our life together, is to look like in Christ, by his grace and for his glory. So don't live like the Gentiles do, he says, the people around you who, who don't know Jesus. Live according to the truth that is in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and who you are because of him. Put off the old self, corrupted by its desires, and put on the new self, created to be like God. It's a bit like that TV programme, What Not to Wear. I'm sure you know what I mean, it was on a while ago where you're told to get rid of your old wardrobe of clothes that don't suit the true you and your lifestyle. You're not autumn, you're spring. That's so last year. And to put on clothes that are fitting and appropriate for who you are, the person inside. Put off the clothes, says Paul, the attitudes and behaviours, especially in relationship with others, that are not appropriate for you as someone transformed by Christ. Those things that don't suit, they're so the old you. They don't suit who we are as Jesus' body. Put off those old clothes that we still so easily slip into, but aren't actually fitting for God's family, the people in whom the Spirit lives. And put on the attitudes and behaviours which are grace-filled and Christ-like that are befitting of who we are in Christ and that shine righteousness and holiness for God's glory. Well, Paul applies this in chapter four to the cut and thrust of our lives as God's people. And it brings us to our passage today. Chapter five begins with a couple of verses that capture what Paul has been saying, but also help to lead us into what he wants to build on. Let me read them and then from them draw out some key points that we've seen or are beginning to see here are really important. Verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. These verses are all about how we are to live. Be imitators of God. Live a life of love. But as we look more closely, let's note some important points, even drawing on what we've seen already in Ephesians. How we are to live is based on who we understand we are. And Paul tells us that we are dearly loved children of God. So, for example, we need to understand that we are dearly loved. 
And it's this love that comforts us and assures us and shapes the kind of loving people we're called to be. And because we are children of God, we are to be like our Father, like the true Son, Jesus. There's a family likeness that we're born into and are to grow up into. And know that context, it's children, not child. Paul is speaking to us corporately. We're a family together. This life we're called to live is in the context of our life together as God's family. Living for God involves others. How we are to live is based on who we understand we are. How we are to live is based on God's grace. So Paul tells us that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. By grace, God at work in Christ, Jesus did for us what we cannot do and do not deserve because of our sinful brokenness. We remember that who we are is the gracious gift of God. It's not down to you or me or anything we can boast about. How we live is in response to the grace of God and constantly relying on that grace. And how we are to live is for God's glory. Christ giving himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, it's not just what Jesus has done for us, it's what he has modelled for our lives to follow. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us, says Paul. So our lives are given over to God for his worship, for his glory. Our lives are laid on the altar. Not my glory, but yours, God. All of my hopes and dreams and ambitions surrendered into your hands for your glory. And these verses also pick up on what such lives of grace and glory call us to. Our lives in Christ call us to be influential. When you think of what this Christ-like life looks like, loving, fragrant, sacrificial, you realise it's designed to be a benefit, a positive influence on others. We've seen that we each play a part in the unity and maturity of the church. And as the church, we make the wisdom of God and the purposes of God in Christ known to others. We are called to be rightly influential. Like fragrant candles lit in a room, we're burning not simply for our own sake, but to bring light, joy, a more fragrant environment for others. This is your life for the sake of our life, for the sake of others' lives. Now, when I say influential, and we'll come back to this next time, I'm not talking about some high-powered individual or social media mover and shaker in worldly terms. I simply mean that we all have an influence to bring, maybe in our families, 
among our friends, in church, in our workplaces, in our communities, maybe just simply among one or two other people. But by God's grace and for his glory, as we'll see again, we are called, among others, to shine God's likeness and love. Our lives in Christ call us to be intentional. You see, being influential calls us to be intentional. Uh, look at the uh, imperatives in the passage, the, Paul, the things Paul calls us to do, to be imitators, to live a life of love. Every day we wake up afresh to the grace of God. But this language, it calls us to be intentional about living in that grace, living for God's glory, about choosing to live as who we are in Christ. It calls us to be intentional about choosing not to slip into a life all about me, but to live a Christ-like, loving life in the purposes of God and for the sake of others. And so our lives in Christ call us to be intentional about what influences us. If we want to be intentional influencers, and that's what we're called to be, we need to be intentional about being influenced by Christ. To follow his example, we need to be looking at his example. To live lives of love, we need to let ourselves be shaped by the love of the one who gave himself up for us. So here in a nutshell is what Paul is developing, I think, in this passage. By God's grace and for God's glory, we are called to be influencers. So be intentional about what influences you. We'll look at that again and apply it in more detail next week. But as I leave it with you now, let me highlight four further comments and contrasts Paul sets up in the rest of this passage and his striking intentional language about being a Christ-like influence and being rightly influenced. So Paul's going to speak of darkness and light. And he's going to say, you are light in the Lord. Live, walk as children of light. Paul's going to speak of being asleep or awake. And he's going to say to us, wake up, O sleeper. Paul's going to speak of being foolish or wise and say, be very careful making the most of every opportunity. Paul's going to speak of being drunk on wine or filled with God's spirit. And he's going to say, be filled with the spirit. We're called to be influential, shining lives by God's grace and for God's glory. That is who we are and the life together we have been given. This is our life, a life of light and life and wisdom filled with the Spirit. But it calls us to be intentional, to think seriously about what is influencing us.
even this week, before we come back to these verses again next Sunday, let's be those who are open to listening to God and hearing how he wants to encourage and challenge us as dearly loved children by the grace of Christ who loved us and gave himself up for us so that we might live more and more fragrantly for his glory. Here's a short prayer to end with, a prayer that may even be said daily, but I found helpful in these past months. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say. Amen.